Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Here's what I want to ask you at the beginning of this teaching. If you were the pattern for the church at Calvary Chapel, and you were the first person here, and everybody that would come would pattern their life after you. You're the first one, and over the years, everybody patterned their life after you. What kind of church would this be? Jesus set the example for us as to how we should live our lives as Christ followers. And he set the bar really high. <laughs> of course, we can never live life as he perfected it, but we can consider his actions and characteristics when we ask ourselves how we're doing as believers. If a stranger walked into the church you attend, would you greet them with warmth and love or indifference? You know what Jesus would do. If you saw a person in need, would you go out of your way to help them, even if it meant sacrifice of your own time and money? You know what Jesus would do. Just like the churches addressed in Revelation, it's important to consider how you're revealing truth to others. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 1. As we begin part one of our message entitled, Remember, Repent, Repeat. To take these things that he's going to share to heart. There would be more to come that would concern the future, but these were first things first. One of the dangers is when you go through the book of Revelation, everybody wants to like, forget these first chapters, let's get into the juicy stuff in chapter 4. I want to see demons and bowls of stuff and what are you doing here in this jazz? Come on, just go over them tonight and let's get on next week to chapter 4. Well, it's interesting that God put these first, isn't it? Now, when we do get to chapter 4, the people that were learning from chapters 2 and 3 never went through any of the stuff from chapter 4. And we may not go through any of it. So the thing you want to learn is the stuff in chapters 2 and 3. The other's good. We're going to have a lot of time. We're going to be there forever going through that. But this, to me, is incredible. Now, these seven letters can be represented or interpreted four different ways. They can be interpreted historically. Some people that believe that, that these seven letters, each of these churches represent a stage in church history. Starting with the first letter, Ephesus tonight, kind of the apostolic age, and moving on to the second, third, and fourth, and coming all the way down to the last church, Laodicea, which is kind of the church just before Jesus comes back. There's a lot of people that categorize these letters that way. Second, you can categorize them in a way that we call real. These seven churches were real churches in that day, and some of the people that do this believe that the local application of these, of these letters was just for them. It really wasn't for anybody else. There's a third that's called timeless. And that means that these seven churches could be found in any particular generation at any time. So even tonight, as we go through, we could find 
tonight as we begin the first one and go through all seven over the next few weeks. We can find those churches everywhere, even in our day today. So they're not just related to the first century. And the last way to interpret the scriptures, these letters, it's called individual. These seven letters are written to seven different kinds of believers or a mixture of the above within the church. It's as if these letters, the first one we'll read, is written to you and to me personally. Now all four of these ways to interpret certainly have merit. We will bring in actually probably all four of them from time to time as we go through. I don't think you have to just lock yourself on one, but basically we will center on number four. That is the real key because we need to learn what God is saying to the church today. And if you see from the Garden of Eden until now, people don't change. We just sin. And so sin's the same. God's love's the same. So it's certainly what happened in those days can apply to us tonight. Let's start chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now what you see with Ephesus is this. Ephesus in those days was the capital and the leading business center of this part of Asia, which again we call Turkey today. It was a hub of sea and land transportation. It ranked with Antioch in Syria and Alexandria in Egypt, and it was one of the greatest cities in the Mediterranean during those times. Now you remember from the book of Acts when Paul went there, Ephesus was influenced strongly by a goddess of fertility. Artemis, which is the Greek, Diana, that was a Roman. She had a temple of 425 feet by 220 feet. They considered this temple in those days one of the seven wonders of the world. She was this fertility goddess who was represented by a really a ugly female figure with just many breasts. This temple was a place of incredible and corruption during those times. The people became fanatically devoted in their worship to this image. The town was also interesting because in those days it was, historically we know, it was an asylum where criminals came to hide. It's like they opened the doors of Alcatraz. And wild org orgies and prostitution, carousing were common, and it was all related to this false worship. And the religious commercial life obviously reflected this paganism that was just saturating this entire city. Interestingly enough, in this pagan city, there was a church. And it was the church of Ephesus. It was the first church along this route that we'll see that we go all the way through and we'll end in Laodicea. So these letters were written, it would be taken, and it would go, the, the letters would all be written and, and read in all of these seven churches. Ephesus tonight was basically founded by Paul. And then Apollos followed. And then we have Timothy. And then we have John. So the teaching at this church was incredible. And where we're at is like the second generation of those people. So you might have come to the Lord during Paul, Apollos, Timothy time, 
your kids now were in this church and it had moved on to the second generation, which is a very, very positive thing. Now, what is a church? We're going to take a moment since we're going to do seven churches. What is a church? A kindergarten teacher asked her students to bring something related to their faith to class. At the appropriate time, she asked the students to come forward and share with the rest of the other students about their particular church. The first child said, I'm a Muslim and this is my prayer rug. The second child said, I'm Jewish and this is my Star of David. The third child said, I'm Catholic and here's my rosary. The final student said, I go to Calvary Chapel and this is my casserole dish. That's about right, isn't it? We love to eat here. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, which means to call out, the called out ones. Certainly, it is not a building, and you couldn't have gone to Ephesus and found an edifice like this, except for the pagans. They met in smaller homes. A church is really believers. It's you. It's me. It's people who are born again, who have been called to be light in a dark world, salt in a world that's searching for truth, thirsting for life. And Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And even though what we go through tonight, and we'll see the demise of this church historically, don't forget what Jesus said in his word, that his church would never fail. It's going to be here. We're going to make it, guys. It isn't going under. It's his church. It's not ours. The Bible tells us the purpose of the church. We won't go through all the passages. It's upward, which is the worship of God. It's inward, the maturing of the believers. And it's outward, evangelization of the world. Now, realistically, as we look at the church throughout history, we don't find the church really doing what God intended. Often it fails, and I'll have something to say about that when we do the church of the last church in this cycle. There was an interesting quote from a historian. He said this In the beginning, the church was a fellowship of men and women centering on the living Christ. Then the church moved to Greece and it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome where it became an institution. Then it moved to Europe where it became a culture. And then to America, where it has today become an enterprise. That is not at all what God meant. He meant for it to be alive and to be changing people's hearts. Now, because of that, because of our failure, many people tonight, even with the cars and the number of people here, drive by and say, why would you go there? There certainly isn't anything of relevance in that church to my life. Get them to see that the God's word is relevant to their life. It can show them how to live and how to change. What we're going to see as we go through tonight, and I'll use this as an illustration to try to, try to keep your focus and your attention as we go through. Jesus is going to give a report card. How many remember those days? How many rather not remember those days? You remember when you brought one home and you're going to, you know, how many, let's be honest now, how many you fudged your report card or two? Let me see your hand. That's a new. We'll have a prayer special for you at the end of the service tonight. Well, this report card is going to be from Jesus, and you can't fudge on it. 
He's given the grades tonight. We're going to see this as it comes to us. Now, here's what I want to ask you at the beginning of this teaching. If you were the pattern for the church at Calvary Chapel, and you were the first person here, and everybody that would come would pattern their life after you. You're the first one. And over the years, everybody patterned their life after you. What kind of church would this be? How often would people be at church if they followed your pattern? How would people worship if they followed your pattern? Would there be any singing at all? What type of offering and tithes would there be if you set the pattern? Would we have the lights on tonight? <laughs> would we be meeting in a field somewhere? Would there be any people serving in any area of ministry if they followed your example of serving? What type of prayer would be happening if they followed your type of praying. And last, when they walked in, a visitor for the first time, what type of love and fellowship and friendliness would they feel if you were the pattern? This is what Jesus is going to talk about tonight. You see, you are the pattern. The church is made up of you and me, people. Jesus sets the pattern, we're to copy it. And that's what he writes to tonight. Let's read verse 1 again. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in the right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now remember the seven golden lampstands, you were here last week, equal the churches, which equal individual believers. Since Jesus is the head of this church, he now has the right to give us a report card because he knows what's right with it, what's wrong with it, and what we should do about it. So this is his, his look at the church at Ephesus. Verse 2. I know your deeds. The word know there in the Greek means this. Complete knowledge. Robinson's word pictures says this. It depicts absolute clearness of mental vision, which photographs all the facts of life as they pass. In other words, there is nothing that misses his knowledge and his view. So, what, what is really happening in this verse? It says that Jesus, in verse 1, walks among the church people, the church, and he knows their deeds. Let me give you an example tonight. It's going to be like this. I'm going to be Jesus. This is the church of Ephesus, or it could be our church. What this says is exactly what you just read. Jesus is where? He's among... He's among who? His church. So here he is. And wherever he stops, at whatever role, and points to whoever, the scripture in chapter, verse 2 said what? He, if he's there, if I stop right here at this guy, what does the scripture say about art? What does Jesus know about art? Do you see what he's saying? What was happening in those days was Jesus was walking among the church and he would stop and look at individuals and he knew their panorama of life. 
from day one till right now. It's like video. And you say, well, you couldn't remember that. Remember this one? Remember you guys that said you cheated on your card? Oh, he pulls it out. See the erasure marks? I remember. So what does that say to us tonight of all? Does it say anything to us tonight here? Who's walking among us tonight? Does he know anything about you? Since when? It's the beginning of time. So he's going to give you. He's already given me a report card this week. I had to do it first. I'm not showing you my report card. But he's going to get every one of you tonight a report card. Now he can do that because he paid the cost. So he's going to show us your life. Now, you don't need to look at your neighbor and say, I want to, well, you don't see too many good grades in your card. Doesn't matter what their card shows. You're the one that has to show it to daddy when we get home, right? We stand before God alone and go, here's my report card. He says, oh, you don't need to show it to me. I know it all. He knows it. So this is interesting to me, and I want you to understand that this is not sterile stuff. And normally on Sunday nights, I just sit and teach rather than get out, but sometimes I'll get out and remind you that this isn't sterile teaching. God is here tonight. He's alive. We're not worshiping this multi-breasted whatever idol that's worth nothing. He's here tonight. He's alive. And he's going to give us a report card. Let's see what happens. By the way, for homework, you can just write down Psalm 139, verse 1 through 4. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 4. says great things about God. He says, you know me. You search me. You know me when I sit. You know when I stand. Before a word is on my tongue, you already know it. Nothing's hidden. Some of you are saying, I hope he doesn't come to me. He knew that. He knew that. I knew that. Now, what are we going to see as he gives this report card? You're going to see four things tonight. We're going to see a commendation. In other words, Christ is going to say to the church, here are the things that are right. And by the way, good psychology as he goes through. Then we're going to get an accusation from him. Here are the areas or area that is wrong. Then admonition. Okay, here's how to fix it. And finally, a special promise. So he's going to give us all of these as we go and as we look through. Let's take the first one tonight. What is right in that church of Ephesus? And then just think about your own life. Chapter 2, verse 2. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. This is a picture of a busy church. Notice, your hard work. In the Greek, that word means hard work to exhaustion. Absolutely busy all the time. Functioning. Good activity everywhere. Every night of the week, something's happening somewhere around that place. Sound familiar? This was actually matching what was going on in the city. This was a very fast-growing city. It was a happening town, and it was a happening church. It was a healthy sign. Jesus says, I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know that that's good. Now remember tonight one thing. Good works do not equal salvation. And that's the difficulty. Let's just turn quickly to Ephesians chapter 2, just for a second. Ephesians chapter 2. Whenever we see good works, especially today... Because of all the unhealthy churches, we have to remind ourselves that this is not earning you or me salvation. Ephesians 2, 
8, 9, and 10. It says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, not from any work you can do. It's a gift from God. Then he just puts it like we couldn't have understood that. Well, here in simple language for you is the answer. It is not by works so that anybody could boast. So when you come to Jesus Christ, you come one way, by grace. And you come by grace through faith. You just believe in Jesus Christ. Religion is due. Salvation is done. Christianity is done. Now, is there a place for works? Well, certainly. Look at verse 10. After we're saved, this is the before and after. After we're saved by grace, we see this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the fun of life is finding out what God has in store for you. All the good works that he has lined up for you. So see, good works are absolutely important. If a person says, well, I came to Jesus Christ and, and uh, they've accepted him by faith, which is the way all of us have to do, and you look at their life three years down the road and there are no good works, there's no change in their life, then you have to say to them probably, you better check and see, probably you're not saved. Because if you are saved, then you're going to, and you're going to see tonight, you're going to want to do things for God. There's, the Bible calls it fruits of repentance. It shows that something happened. But you cannot get it the wrong way. You can't do your works and say, well, God, this is why I'm going to heaven, because I'm doing all these things. Wrong order. Grace, faith, then works. So he says to this church, you're doing great. You're doing wonderful. Let's go back to Revelation. This is our first grade tonight. Good works equals an A. They were doing good. Now, what I'd like you to do beyond every one of these things that I talk about, grade yourself tonight. If you want to use a code that your wife or husband can't see, that's fine. But grade yourself. Now remember, don't fudge, because who's walking among us? The master teacher is, so whatever. Next. I know your hard work and your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked men, and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. So the second area is perseverance. It's patient endurance to bear up under a load even during great persecution. To just hang in there. Jesus says to them, A, grade yourself. Next, they resisted sin. In other words, this was a non, it was not a compromising church. Remember the line I talked about this morning? Satan always wants us to bring to this line of compromise. How close can I get to sin? If I can just get right here, wrong question to be asking in your life. This church at Ephesus said, mm -mm, we're back here. We don't want to get anywhere near that area because we know it's dangerous territory. As we heard in today's teaching from chapter 2 in Revelation, there were seven churches addressed. Pastor Mark sought to define what a church is and found scripture to say the purpose of the church is about worship, the maturing of believers, and the evangelization of the world. The Lord commended the churches for what they were doing right and informed them about what was wrong 
told them how to fix it. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 3903. And the title of this message is Remember, Repent, Repeat. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 3903. And the title of this message is Remember, Repent, Repeat. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as Pastor Mark takes us through the right and wrong things that the seven churches are doing and asks us to grade ourselves about how we're doing in those areas. From good works to perseverance to forsaking their first love, All are things we can relate to in our own lives. We'll come away with a new perspective on our individual faiths. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of Revelation. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 